with several key deadlines on the MLB offseason calendar this week, should we expect any moves from the Cardinals? Coming up on B-Shape Daily. What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. Evening hours of Sunday, November 12th, 2023. And I'm going to try to make this commitment to myself off the top of the episode tonight to tell you Cardinals fans that you're not going to get an hour out of me today. <laughs> I don't think I have it in me to do an hour episode of b Shape Daily this time. And you may be able to tell part of the reason why. My voice, not entirely recovered yet from the weekend, and I know what you're thinking, but it's not quite like that. My Missouri Tigers played Tennessee on Saturday I was at the game at Faroe Field in Columbia. Two top 15 teams going at it. Mizzou coming away with a big win. This is a Cardinals podcast, so we're not going to talk too much about that. But needless to say, when I got home Saturday night, I was like, there's no way B-Shape Daily is happening. I could hardly talk because, uh, well, I get into it a little bit. If you really want to hear me talk about the Mizzou stuff, I haven't gotten to the point in my calendar where I'm able to find time in the day to do a Mizzou-based podcast outside of the big show on KTGR, which is uh, the radio show in Columbia that I do. Lots of Mizzou talk on Monday if you're itching to hear that, 4 to 6 p.m. on KTGR.com. But this is B-Shape Daily, and here we talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. And it's a big week for the Cardinals and teams around Major League Baseball as the MLB calendar sees a couple of big deadlines, roster deadlines, that are going to be relevant for the Cardinals' interest, especially now that they have, I believe, a full 40-man roster as of this moment. And that's likely to change in the days ahead, as this week they've got to protect prospects from the Rule 5 draft. There's a handful of guys that we'll talk about and discuss whether any of these players are likely to be added to the 40-man roster so that the Cardinals don't have to risk them being selected by another organization in the Rule 5 draft. Now, the Rule 5 draft takes place on December 6th. It's going to be in Nashville where the winter meetings are being held uh, all that week. But the deadline to protect players from eligibility for the Rule 5 draft is this week. Coming up on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, which is 5 p.m. Central Time. So we'll talk about some of the prospects that the Cardinals may consider protecting. I think there's at least a couple of them that you're probably likely to see added to the 40-man. And I'll talk about why that is coming up. Another topic on the show, another roster-related deadline, the non-tender deadline, comes later on this week, November 17th. Doing some quick math. I think that's Friday. Get a calendar in front of me. Somebody, would you please get a calendar in front of me? Good grief, my producer's terrible. It's me. Uh, Yes, the 17th is indeed Friday. And so we'll talk about, are there some non-tender candidates on the Cardinals? Yes, there are. But will the Cardinals actually go through with non-tendering any of those players? And we'll give you the the refresher course for those who may not really know what that even means. So all that's coming up tonight on B-Shape Daily. Thank you guys for being back with me. Uh, Forgive me if, again, my voice doesn't sound like it normally does. Hopefully we get a, a relatively tight podcast out here tonight. I don't go on and on and on forever like I usually do. And maybe the voice will be better by Monday, by the time I do the radio show at 4 o'clock. I'm going to try, though, not to beat around the bush too much, try to get right to the content of the show. But before I do, 
want to invite you guys to subscribe to the channel right here on YouTube, youtube.com slash at bshafer12, the Brendan Schaefer St. Louis Cardinals writer YouTube channel. Really helps me a lot. If you guys are regular listeners, check to see that you've subscribed on YouTube because it really helps me if you would do so. And if you prefer to listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we're over there as well. Just search for Shafe Daily, B-S-C-H-A-E-F-F Daily, wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's start with the deadline that comes up first in the week, which is Tuesday afternoon, the Rule 5 deadline. I, I don't know if this is the more interesting deadline of the week, but we'll kind of work in chronological order because that one's coming up first on Tuesday, 5 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The Cardinals will have to make a decision about, well, a couple of different things. I'm going to pull up the Cardinals 40-man roster according to their team website as it stands now because uh, my understanding, and I'm not going to sit here and count for you, I'll pause the recording while I do it. How's that sound? See, you didn't even really notice. But yes, my count, I believe, is correct. The Cardinals have a full 40-man roster as of this recording, which means that if any of these prospects that would be Rule 5 eligible, the team decides, hey, we don't want them to be selected in the Rule 5 draft, then it would be incumbent upon the Cardinals to add them to the 40-man roster before Tuesday's 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central Time deadline. And I'm going to read this quick refresher from MLB.com to explain exactly what the Rule 5 process is because a lot of baseball fans have probably heard of the Rule 5 draft, but maybe not entirely familiar. It comes around every year. You kind of go, oh, yeah, I know that's a thing but you're maybe not exactly sure what it is. I'm going to just read this paragraph, and hopefully it makes sense um, because every year it seems like I write a new article about the Rule 5 and really should just say, hey, this the definition's from MLB.com because they explain it pretty simply and straightforward. Players first signed at the age of 18 or younger must be added to 40-man rosters within five seasons or they become eligible to be drafted by other organizations through the Rule 5 process. That's why they call it Rule 5 because it's five years after you sign, whether you're drafted or you sign as an international free agent, within five seasons, which minor league seasons, right, we're talking about, because otherwise, if you're already in the big leagues, this wouldn't apply to you because you would already be on the 40-man roster. So within five minor league seasons, you've got to be added to the 40-man or you enter into the pool of players that would be eligible to be drafted in the upcoming Rule 5 draft that season. Players signed at 19 years old or older have to be protected within four seasons. So basically, this process is used as a way to prevent teams from maybe they've got a lot of talent that they like in their minor league system, but they want to kind of hoard it so that in case injuries happen at the upper levels, uh, you know, they can always draw on that pool of resources from AAA. You can't just do that infinitely because it kind of stunts the development of these guys' career. If there's a player in one organization that just can't find a chance in the major leagues and and they won't even add him to the 40-man roster to be protected by that point, well, another organization could say, okay, they don't think enough of that guy to have him on their 40-man. Here's how much we think of him. We'll draft him in the Rule 5 draft, which means he's got to stay on our major league roster, the 26-man roster, not just the 40 but the 26-man roster for the entire next season. And if that happens, then that player would then stay within that organization. Clubs pay $100,000 to select a player in the major league phase of the Rule 5 draft. And the major league phase is all we're going to describe here because it's the main takeaway that you need to have from this whole situation. And if that player does not stay on the 26-man roster for the full season, 
he must be offered back to his former team for $50,000. So the club that loses the player, okay, we get $100,000, but let's say the player on the other team, that other team said, okay, we maybe he's worse than we thought or we just don't have a spot for him like we thought we did. We can't keep him at the major league level. You got to offer him back to the original team. Sometimes they can work out a deal where the, the original team will say, ah, for whatever compensation, you can still keep that player because the situation is no different for us over here. We still don't have room for them. And so sometimes those deals are, are worked out. But that's the whole premise of the Rule 5 draft. For this upcoming Rule 5 draft, international or high school draft picks that signed in 2019 would now have to be protected, and a college player taken in the 2020 MLB draft would now have to be protected. Otherwise, they would be eligible to be drafted by other teams. Now, this does not necessarily mean that they would be drafted by another team, but their name would go into the draft pool and they would be eligible to be selected. And so you as an organization sort of have to make that decision of, all right, we have a player that we think does have a bright future, but we don't think we have room for them on the 40-man roster. Do we keep them off of the 40-man roster through this Rule 5 process, allowing them to enter into the draft pool and simply hope that nobody selects the player. That's certainly a a strategy that can be used. Sometimes that can be a strategy that comes back to bite you. And when that often happens is with the younger players that you think, oh, surely no team is going to select this guy in the Rule 5 draft because, well, he's only 21 years old. You know, he signed as an international free agent when he was 16 years old, and so uh, he's just he's just not very advanced at this point in his career. He's still in the low levels of the minors. I'm describing a pretty specific scenario that happened to the Cardinals, uh, what is it, eight years ago now, seven or eight years ago, with Luis Perdomo. If you remember him, he was a minor leaguer for the Cardinals, signed as a teenager. I don't think he was 16. He was probably closer to 17, 18. So after five seasons of the Cardinals having been the low levels of their minors, they would have had to make the decision to protect him. And the Cardinals, infamously at this point, didn't because they thought, well, we haven't even advanced him beyond uh, A-ball at that point in time. Perdomo spent a couple of years in rookie ball, uh, three years in rookie ball, and then went to low A. And then by 2015, he spent a good chunk of time in high A, but still hadn't even seen double A. But finally that year threw 126 innings and had an ERA below four in high A, and so, you know, there was maybe a bright future on tap, but was 22 years old that season, and the Cardinals, I I just, they just hadn't gotten around to advancing him, I suppose, but they figured, all right, nobody's probably going to take a a guy from A-ball and bring him directly to the big leagues. Well, the San Diego Padres said, we don't care, we're losing a lot of games, and we'll put him right into our rotation, we'll show you, and so that is exactly what happened. Now, Luis Perdomo had, uh, has had a, a somewhat lengthy major league career, didn't pitch this past season, but um, in, in 2022, he was a reliever for Milwaukee, but uh, ended up having a you know somewhat lengthy ma- major league career, despite the fact that he was not added to the Cardinals' 40-man roster before that 2016 season when the Padres said, yep, we'll take him. So those are some of the types of decisions that can be made. Uh, the Cardinals not typically super active in drafting during the major league portion of the Rule 5 draft. However, Wilking Rodriguez was an example of, from last year where the Cardinals did select Wilking Rodriguez in the Rule 5 draft, and that would have meant they needed to have him on their team the entire season on the active roster in order to avoid having to offer him back to the Yankees for half the price they paid 
at the beginning of the season when they did the Rule 5 draft. Wilking Rodriguez, of course, spent the entire season injured, and I he's still on the roster. I So, like, the Cardinals did their part, right? He was on the active roster but was on the IL, so the, the, there was really no issue related to Rule 5 status. He's still in the organization. The Cardinals would now have to make the decision of whether they – you know, how his rehab is going and whether they want to continue. But that's more along the lines of would he be one of the players that they would cut to clear a spot for some of the players they're trying to protect in the Rule 5 draft? Uh, or do they say, no, we we spent this long n- nursing this guy back to health. If we think he can help us in the bullpen in 2024, then we'll go ahead and leave him and, and bring him to spring training as uh, a guy who's protected on our 40-man roster rather than exposing the waivers, et cetera. So the Cardinals typically not too active in drafting players, but we gave an example with Perdomo uh, a number of years ago that sometimes they do have players taken by other organizations. I'm going to pull up this article for MLB or from MLB.com, I should say, and they're just listing some of the top 30 prospects based on their own MLB top prospects list for MLB Pipeline that the Cardinals would need to protect. They would have to put them on the 40-man roster or... If they don't do that, these players would then be eligible to be selected by other organizations in the Rule 5 draft. And, he, and this is a, a list of four names that are, again, the, the criteria for being on this list is, are they on MLB Pipeline's top 30 prospects from the Cardinals team? And if they're not, then their name won't be selected. It's not to say that there aren't other players who the Cardinals would need to make a decision on, but if they're not in the top 30 prospect list, uh, you figure maybe there's not a risk of anybody taking them, and so it might not be a consideration to hurry and make sure you put them on the 40-man. Uh, there is one name that I'm going to touch on who uh, had been in the top 30 list from MLB Pipeline, I believe as recently as last year, maybe even earlier this year, but I, I don't see his name on the list now, but I, it is somebody that I believe is eligible, uh, Rule 5 eligible, so I want to bring up his name uh, in, in the context of this conversation. Let's start, though, with a, a guy the Cardinals got at the trade deadline in one of their big deals at the deadline when the Cardinals obviously trading away a number of players. Sam Robertsa, the pitcher formerly of the Toronto Blue Jays, came over in, I think it was the Jordan Hicks deal that the Cardinals did with Toronto. Yeah, that trade was Jordan Hicks for Sam Robertsa and Adam Kloffenstein, who's another guy that's on this list that we'll talk about here in just a moment. But Robertson, and I do say Robertson, and the reason I say his name that way is because I looked up a video of him from, I want to say it was the Futures game where I saw him interviewed, but saying his own name and pronouncing it Robertson, and so that's how I'm going to say it because I'm pretty sure it's right if that's the way that he said it. So I've seen a million different pronunciations, John Mozeliak giving one of them the day that he was introduced when the Cardinals traded for him. Pretty sure Mo said Roberts. It's not which again, Mo had more important things to figure out probably in the moment than how to say the kid's name. Just make sure he's on the team first, get that trade done. But it is Robert, so that's how he said it, so that's how I'm going to say it. Anyway, will I be saying it much more throughout the rest of my career if the Cardinals don't protect him from the Rule 5 draft coming up this week? I think they're going to, right? Like, if for no other reason than you just traded for this guy, how bad would that look to then say, ah, well, we're not going to protect you from Rule 5, and if you get picked, you get picked. I think it's a pretty safe bet that the Cardinals would protect him. He 
had been a double-A pitcher in 2023 with Toronto before the Cardinals traded for him. 4.06 ERA, 88 innings, 86 strikeouts. So K per inning, basically. Immediately upon arriving to the Cardinals, he goes to AAA Memphis. So that was a promotion. He had never pitched in AAA previously. Ended up pitching 35 innings with a 4.84 ERA. So not super sterling in terms of run prevention. And actually, the runs against average per nine innings was 5.35 if you would count if you would count all the runs allowed, not just the earned runs. So, all right, not necessarily lighting the world on fire. However, 44 strikeouts in those 35 innings, and we know the Cardinals are valuing swing and miss. That's what they're looking for. So I can't imagine a world in which they don't protect him. So that's one name. And again, this is just going to be my estimate. Whether I'm right or wrong doesn't really matter. I guess it does. But I would just be surprised. He's ranked as the number eight prospect on MLB Pipeline. And I'm not going to... Here's the reason I brought up the 40-man roster. I do have it pulled up. I'm not going to say, hey, the Cardinals just need to cut this guy. What's he doing on the roster? But I will give you, as we go through in a little bit, the case for a number of names that I would say, look, if if we find out this, this guy's non-tendered or waived, it wouldn't really be non-tendered because we're not talking about ARB-eligible guys yet. We're just talking about do they have a spot on the 40-man and will they after... Tuesday's deadline we'll see that's kind of what I'm looking to get into I'm not going to say hey this guy stinks of course you can cut him because that'd be disrespectful but I do think there are a number of names that there are going to be some decisions the Cardinals have to make toward the bottom end of that 40-man roster and so we'll talk about that but one I would imagine that if I if I combed through the 40-man as it stands now I'd find some guys probably even some pitchers where I'd say you know, I think the organization might be better served to make sure they get Sam Robertson protected just in case uh, he turns out to be something. He's only 21 years old. So I mentioned previously, now give me a break. He's 22 years old. He, I, I already said his birthday, October 12th. So he just turned 22, but had signed, I guess as an international free agent, I'm not, I'm not, he's from the Netherlands. So I'm not getting, uh, it's not on his baseball reference exactly how he signed, when he signed, but uh, it looks like, 2019 with the Blue Jays, he was in their rookie league as a 17-year-old. And then I guess the 2020 season counts on this. That's the one thing I probably should know, but don't off the top of my head. But 2021, 2022, and now 2023, it's been five years since he signed. So this will be the time where you got to protect it from Rule 5. Yeah, I, I'm sure 2020 counts, even though there wasn't a, a minor league season. Nevertheless... MLB put him on the list, so I'm sure they don't have this wrong. <laughs> but Sam Robertson, I think the Cardinals got to protect him. He's their number eight prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. To me, you know, their prospect rankings might be different, but they wouldn't have gone after the guy if they didn't think he had some potential in that trade for Jordan Hicks. And his strikeout rate was pretty good in AAA in the 35 innings that he had. And that, to me, is almost, it's not the only thing that matters right now for Cardinals in terms of, like, pitching prospects, but... It is one of the more important things because we know that that's a, an emphasis organizationally to try and get more of that to the big league level so that you don't have every offseason and trade deadline going, man, the Cardinals just don't have enough swing and miss. They don't have enough guys who miss bats. They got to figure something out. So I would say that to me, Sam Robertson would be a guy you'd want to protect. Now, one thing I probably am going to have to recognize is that it's going to be hard to protect everybody 
especially once you get into free agency and you sign Sonny Gray. He needs a 40-man spot. So the Cardinals, like to me, I'm going to say this off the top. It's really interesting that the Cardinals so aggressively have brought these random people in over the last few weeks. When you look at their 40-man roster, they've made some like recent additions that have filled the thing up all the way to the brim. Remember Buddy Kennedy, they claimed off of the athletics, I believe. Either they claimed him or they signed him. Going to find that information here real quick. He was with Arizona early. That's what it was. He was with Arizona earlier in 2023 and actually played a little bit for him at the big league level. Had a 167 batting average and 20-some-odd plate appearances, so nothing crazy but was part of their major league team, and then I believe was claimed by Oakland, went to the Athletics AAA team, played a little bit for them there, had a 216 average with a 216 slug, and the Cardinals were like, holy crap, we got to get this guy in here. Like, to me, when you've got roster deadlines coming up and all this, I don't really know how Buddy Kennedy survives that. <laughs> like, how how the Cardinals keep him on the 40-man roster when you've got Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edmond, and right now Nolan Gorman, and obviously Mason Wynn as infield, middle infield types. And I think Buddy Kennedy is more of that. He'll he'll play some various infield spots. Um, I, I won't even pretend that I know anything about the quality of his defense, but I believe he's kind of a you know flexible, utility, that sort of guy because that's kind of all the Cardinals seem to pick up. It looks like he's listed as third base, but on – on uh, baseball reference, second baseman, left fielder. I guess I could dig in and see where he actually played the most recently. It looks like in 2023 with Arizona, a little bit of third, one appearance at second base. Largely a third baseman and, and second baseman, I would say, um, with what he's done in the minor leagues. So, you know, kind of that Jed Jerko, I guess, would be the comp I would make to him. 5'9", 190 play a little second, play a little third. I, I'm going to say Jed Jerko, just just like off-the-cuff body type, but not Jed Jerko power, I don't think. I don't think Buddy Kennedy is, uh, you know, because Jed Jerko had some seasons where he was hitting some taters for the Cardinals, to be sure. Let's see here. 22 homers for Buddy Kennedy in 2021 between uh, high A and double A. That's kind of about where he topped out, though. Had five home runs in 2023. In 463 plate appearances in AAA. So, again, I'm just like, when I say, yeah, I think Sam Robertson is a slam dunk to be protected, that's kind of tricky because why would the Cardinals bother to bring in Buddy Kennedy if they weren't, if they were just going to turn around and, and get rid of him? I don't exactly know how to answer that because when they bring in these names, my thought process is always, you know, Cardinals fans go, oh, that's the big move that you're making. Do you, do you not know you need three starting pitchers? which we'll do a podcast about that later in the week. John Mozeliak is down to two and a half starting pitchers, I think, two. I think he's down to two, and then we'll see. And I was going to talk about that tonight, but then I realized maybe setting up the week with the deadline stuff, the roster stuff, would be more valuable to people heading into the week because that is something that's – there's going to be some moving and shaking this week. There almost has to be. So hopefully you're going to be ready for it when it comes – and we'll try to, again, I hate to say predict it because there are a lot of different ways they could go with this, but that's why we're talking about what we're talking about today instead of the starting pitching stuff. We finally decided to take a break from that because it's kind of been 
beating that drum nonstop over the last week. But anyway, when it comes to the Cardinals occasionally adding these like quadruple A players that you're like, they're going to go triple A. I guess they'll come to the big leagues at some point in this organizational depth, but are you really excited about them? No. The Cardinals have had a habit of doing this in recent years and then turning around and saying, but our 40 man is full. We really have a roster crunch. And I say, again, trying to be respectful. And the fact that we're about to actually have this happen is why I'm trying to be a little more respectful. But when I hear that garbage about the 40 man crunch in July or, you know, middle of the season, I always joke, I'll make, if you need any help, I will take the list of 40 man and I will cross off eight names right now if you need me to. I will clear that crunch up so fast it'll make your head spin if that's what you're asking me to do. Because it can always be done. You can always kind of trim. However, when you're constantly adding to that group and then turning around and claiming 40-man crunch, it's like, come on now. Did you need to add Buddy Kennedy? And I'm not trying to pick on Buddy Kennedy specifically because I already admitted I've never seen him play. But... Just like the the stocking up on that type of player, yes, it's always a sensible thing to make sure that you are scouring the opportunities in the market to make sure that there's no diamonds in the rough that are going unnoticed. Because if there are, you certainly want to be the team that takes advantage of those. But you can only do that so many times and then also have gluts at other positions and say, we're just going to keep all these guys on the 40-minute. Like, it gets a little bit tricky, especially right now, knowing you're going to have to get some starting pitching in here that you're paying real money to, and uh, that's going to come via free agency. So, not 100% sure if I can be confident in my predictions of, yes, yeah, Sam Robertson is going to be protected, because that's almost with the premise of, when I tell people about these quad-A players coming in, I say, guys, don't worry about it, because easy come, easy go, Right. I hope that's the case if it needs to be the case, right? Because you'd rather easy come, easy go on a guy that you brought in because it costed you nothing. There's no risks, risk to it. But then there does become a risk to it if you get to a deadline like Tuesdays and there's somebody that you, you wish you would protect, but you don't feel you've got the space to do it because you brought in a bunch of guys that are going to be a AAA and they're kind of quad A veteran type of guys, right? They're minor league veterans who have played a little bit in the big leagues but they haven't stuck, and you're hoping maybe they'll stick with you. Now, there are a couple of guys that they've added recently. Jared Young, who came from the Cubs via waivers, I believe it was. Ha, you know, These are two 28-year-olds I'm about to mention. But Jared Young, you know, power-hitting guy, had a bunch of home runs in the minors. Maybe he's a bat that can help you out a little bit. I think what the Cardinals like about him is he does bat left-handed. He had like a seven-some-odd OPS for the Cubs when he had a little bit of a cup of, cup of coffee this past year, but had a good like 990 OPS in the minors in AAA. But he's 28 years old, so, you know, how much untapped potential is there? But it didn't cost anything to bring him in. What will the Cardinals do, though, if they feel, hey, they've got to protect somebody else? Is it going to pan out to keep this guy around? Riley O'Brien is the other guy. They traded for him cash considerations, but a guy with a good strikeout rate in AAA, also 28 years old. So that's three additions, including Buddy Kennedy, that have been made recently to the 40-man when all of this is going on. So my first assumption would be like to tell Cardinals fans, as I mentioned just a minute ago, hey, don't freak out. These are minor moves. No, these are not the big moves of the offseason. I know they're easy to joke about. It's it's, 
low-hanging fruit to punch down and say, oh, yeah, Mo's really changing things up, getting a guy for cash considerations. But I always say don't worry about that because easy come, easy go. But if the Cardinals now say, well, we just got these guys. We can't get rid of them now. That could be the mindset that, that dooms them a little bit if they end up not being able to protect all the players that would conceivably be drafted in the Rule 5. A lot of times this Rule 5 thing is much ado about nothing because, again, the teams that are drafting these players from your minor league organization, from your system, know that they've got to they've got to put them immediately on their full 26-man roster for an entire year. It's not just putting them on the 40-man. They have to put them on the 26-man active roster, and that guy's got to be a Major League Baseball player right now Otherwise, it's not going to work out. Now, there are sometimes tanking teams that say, doesn't matter. We'll just go ahead and throw them in the big leagues and see what happens. Could you do that with a Sam Robertson? Could you see a team doing it? I think so. Um, probably not as a starter, which is what he's been. But maybe they say, well, we see a little bit there with the strikeout rate, more than a K per inning the last uh, you know, last season in the minors. And, and maybe there is something there with him if we're a tanking team. We might just throw him into our rotation because we just don't care, and maybe we stumble onto something because the kid just now turned 22. That's why, for me, he's top 10 prospect. You just traded for him. Sim Robertson has to be protected. So that's one that I would say 100%. Um, just my opinion, they, they ought to protect him. Here's the next name on the list. Ian Bedell, number 16-ranked prospect in the Cardinals organization, according to MLB Pipeline. Now, he is an interesting name because he was drafted out of Mizzou, actually, Pitched for Missouri in uh, 2018, 2019, and 2020. He was part of that 2020 COVID draft. I think it only had five rounds, but he was in it. 2021, he goes to Peoria High A. They kind of loft him up, you know, skip him a couple of levels. No rookie ball, no low A ball for you because you spent three seasons in, in college and pitched in the SEC, so you're maybe a little bit more seasoned at 21 years old. Well, he only threw a couple of games, got injured, needed Tommy John surgery in May of 2021, missed most of the season, missed a lot of the 2022 season, still coming back, was fully ready to go for 2023, but was drafted in 2020. And the math is a little fuzzy for me because I would think if there was a minor league season, I guess he would have been, that would have been season number one in, in the summer of 2020. That's why the COVID thing makes it a little bit weird because he doesn't have any stats for 2020, but technically that's a season. 2021 would be a season, 22 a season. This past year in 2023, another season. Now four seasons for him. He is above age 19 when he was originally signed, and therefore that makes him Rule 5 eligible this time around. I believe he's now 24 years old. But here's the deal with Ian Bedell it kind of reminds you a little bit of that Perdomo situation from the standpoint of he's never pitched above high A at this point yet. But the reason for that is pretty simple. 2020 didn't have anywhere to go because there was no minor league season the year he was drafted in June. 2021, Tommy John. 2022, recovered from Tommy John, but hardly got to pitch because it was you know May of 21 when he had the surgery. You, you flash that out 12 to 14 months. Minor league season's mostly over. That was the situation there. Finally, this past year in 2023, Ian Bedell, finally healthy, pitched well in high A. But at 23 years old, he is that age differential. You can look at that on baseball reference, and it will show you, you know, minus 
was the age differential for Ian Bedell as a high A pitcher in 2023 because he's 23 years old, and that's actually a little bit older than, and at minus 0.1 years differential from the average age at that level, it's basically, you know, you're not younger than the people that are that you're playing against. A lot of times, if you see, like, you look at Jordan Walker from his minor league years, he was always younger than the average age of the competition that he was playing against there in the minors. So for Ian Bedell, never did get that call to Springfield, so we don't really know 100% what he would be all about at the higher levels of the minors. Surely nobody would select him Rule 5 and move him from, from the A-ball to the big leagues, right? Well... Maybe it's happened before in 96 innings, 106 strikeouts at high A with a 2.44 ERA. If it's me, I am protecting Ian Bedell, especially, again, not to pick on anybody, but compared to what I would consider to be maybe a lack of upside from some of the players toward the bottom end of that 40-man roster, I'm, I don't want to see the risk of a team going, I mean, this guy's probably ready to come on up. We could th- we could get 100 innings out of him, and we're not contending. What if we stumble on a guy who, again, this guy was picked in the fourth round of a draft that only had five rounds. So if you were drafted in that 2020 COVID draft, that means something. And they saw some potential in him drafting him in round four, finally getting a chance now to make good on that and looking good in the first chance he did, even though it's against some lower-level competition than you would have hoped for this deep into his professional career, but you can't help injury. And he had Tommy John surgery. So to me, there's nothing in Ian Bedell's, you know, trajectory or journey to this point that says, oh, you believed in him when you drafted him, but you shouldn't believe in him anymore. To me, I don't take the risk if I'm the Cardinals, I would protect him. Now, that being said, I'm going to have to find some names maybe from that 40 man to say, all right, from this group, you could see a number of these guys potentially shaved off that list. The Cardinals typically aren't overly aggressive in nuking their 40-man ahead of this deadline, but this year they may need to be because they're coming off of a 91-loss season, and sometimes the status quo does need to be questioned and challenged based on what's going on with your team. So that's my stance on Bedell. I'd probably want to protect him as well, but I'm recognizing you can't necessarily take everybody, so let's keep that in mind. Moving further down the list to Adam Kloffenstein, Kloffensteinstein, I believe it's Steen, but it might be Stein, but I uh, I promised you off the top I wouldn't go an hour, and I'm already over 30 minutes, so I, I am not going to look it up right now, but I'll get it right later on. Uh, he had 89 innings with 105 strikeouts in AA with the Blue Jays before the Cardinals got him in that Jordan Hicks deal, along with Sam Robertson. And then he comes to AAA Memphis and looks pretty solid in terms of run prevention, a three ERA and also a three runs per nine. Um, no errors impacting the the runs that he gave up. Gave up 13 earned runs, 13 total runs in 39 innings pitched. Now here's the, the deal, though. That strikeout rate, 39 innings, only 35 strikeouts. So he had that strikeout rate up pretty impressively in double A at 10.6 Ks per nine down to 8.1 in the uh, eight or nine games that he threw the 39 innings that he threw for triple A Memphis. So the Cardinals have to think, all right, projecting here, what's the K rate going to look like if he, you know, we, we continue to work through it, through it with him and we eventually get into the big leagues. Can he project as a guy that's going to strike out a bunch of dudes 
the way that he kind of was always averaging more than a strikeout per inning at the lower levels of the minors? Was this just an adjustment? I would make the case that to allow the 3.00 ERA in your first glimpse of AAA action is a credit to you, even if you're not blowing guys away. But to be able to project that he would project as a good major league pitcher and be a guy that does have some swing and miss at the big league level, you would want to continue to see that K-rate growth. So the other part of it is 21 walks in those 39 innings, which a lot of guys are a little bit wild in, in the minors as well. But that's another thing. Like If you're not counterbalancing, giving up a decent amount of hits, giving up a decent amount of walks, and he had 29 hits allowed in 39 innings as well. So a 12.82, or I'm sorry, a 1.282 whip walks plus hits per innings pitched. That would be a 12.82 whip would be, I that would be my whip if I if I were a pitcher at AAA. I would probably give up about 12 hits and walks per inning, you think? Probably more. Yeah, that's probably too generous to me. I would be I'd be giving up more than 12. They're going to make a lot of contact on me. That's what I know. Lefty sitting probably 68 miles per hour is probably going to, I hope I throw harder than that, but I haven't had it checked in years. So anyway, uh, yeah, his whip was not 12. It was 1.282, which is probably a little higher than you'd want to see at the AAA level when you're not striking out a bunch of guys. But again, they had just traded for Kloffensteinstein and he He's only 28, uh, 23 years old, just turned 23 in August. I think there's something there, some meat on the bone. But again, you cannot protect everybody. So would you gamble with it and say, hey, we don't think he's going to, we don't think anybody's going to take him to the big leagues right away. I would say a guy with a three ERA in AAA as a starter has the potential to be taken to the big leagues right away. So again, because all the three guys that we've named so far are pitchers, I would be inclined to protect all three of them is my personal opinion, just off the cuff. Pedro Paez is the other name that's on this list from MLB Pipeline, number 28 overall prospect for the Cardinals. Pedro's a great dude. Got a chance to talk with him a little bit uh, spring training last year. 25 years old, not really prospect age in terms of thinking that he's going to immediately vault into a big league situation um, and, and have a ton of success, but did have a nice season offensively in 2023 but kind of fell victim a little bit, I think, to just the the nature of the beast at the catcher position because he was playing uh, about half of his season in 2022 at AAA. Um, not great offensive numbers with a 635 OPS, but I, when you're a, a catcher in the organization and you do a nice job behind the dish, you're just going to kind of go where you're needed. And unfortunately for Pedro, they've got other catchers that are kind of above him in the pecking order um, with, you know, the way that this past season went. Trace Pereira they had in there for a while. Um, they liked him out of spring training, obviously. You had um, Herrera kind of taken over at AAA for most of the year, which d- just didn't leave an opportunity for Pedro Paez at AAA. So he spent the whole year at AA in 2023, um, but had an 806 OPS. I don't believe Pedro Paez would be a guy the Cardinals would be protecting. And in fact, I believe he's already been eligible for Rule 5? I'd have to check on that um, because he came into the organization in the 2019 draft. What age would he have been when that happened? And he was already 20 years old. So I believe that he was already probably Rule 5 eligible last year. He is on this prospect list because a lot of times catchers can be hard to find. Um, Maybe he does have a big league future. Again, I'm a fan of is I don't think, though, the Cardinals are going to be looking to protect him 
on the 40-man, just given the situation that they have at catcher um, with, obviously, Wilson Contreras, with Andrew Kisner, um, assuming he's still on the roster. And it, I started this podcast thinking we were going to we were gonna cover the deadlines of Tuesday's deadline for Rule 5, and then we were going to get into the November 17th Friday deadline for non-tenders. I, I did what I always do. I talked forever and ever. The non-tender podcast is going to be tomorrow. I'm going to do that podcast on Monday. We're just going to stick with the Rule 5 stuff tonight. So make sure you stay tuned. Um, be Shave Daily on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And please do subscribe. I hate to sound like I'm begging, but it really helps me when I'm doing an hour a night. And even if it's not an hour of talking, I'm definitely doing editing and other stuff. So if you guys appreciate or enjoy at all this Cardinals content, all you got to do for me is click that subscribe button. I really don't need anything else from you. Um, that's the main thing I would ask is just uh, subscribe and keep listening. Comment too. I mean, that helps too. We want to have a good community. And I'm going to continue to bring this up before I actually do it because if I if I generate enough buzz of people that are like, yes, I'd be interested, that's maybe when I, when I pull the trigger on it. Discord, if you guys use Discord and think, ah, we see Twitter as a sinking ship. Um, if you did like a B-Shafe, daily sort of uh, listeners discord or just Cardinals fans in general. And then for Cardinals fans who don't listen to the podcast, maybe that would kind of turn them on to, Oh, Hey, there's this Cardinals podcast. That's every day um, from the guy that covers the team. Maybe that would help me as well to, to kind of get more ears on the show. But if that's something you'd be interested in, it's like a community sort of thing. Like YouTube allows us to do that because you guys can comment back and forth with each other, and especially when we do the live streams, which we will start up again uh, when the Cardinals break some news. I'll have to get on and, and kind of gauge your reactions as Cardinals fans. But if Discord is something that you think would be useful, especially uh, like during the season, talk games. I know some people use the Reddit. The, the Cardinals have a uh, Cardinal fans have a subreddit that um, is is pretty active. I know, and there's Twitter. Obviously, is kind of been the go to, but. The uncertain, somewhat future of Twitter, like if Elon Musk makes everybody pay to use it, I'm thinking that's going to be a bad idea, and he may end up, um, you know, not having as many people stick around as he would have otherwise thought. So, if Discord is interesting to you, just want to continue to kind of mention that at the tail end of these episodes because I know the people listening to the end are the people that probably are the most diehard Cardinals fans. I mean, it's freaking mid-November, and you guys are listening to Cardinals talk for 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so, if you're interested in that. Throw it in the comments, or better yet, at B Schaefer twelve. You can send me a DM because that's a way that I can kind of go. Oh yeah, I'm really getting a lot of DMs. Um, but if you want to mention it on the YouTube comments as well, you can feel free. So for me, Sam Robertson, Ian Bedell, Adam Kloffenstein, Stein, they are all right-handed pitchers, and I think all of them have a little bit of upside in terms of maybe being able to have some Ks per nine that would impress. Right, Kloffenstein, not as much here toward the, uh, the the end of his season when he was with the Cardinals in AAA, just the 35 Ks and 35 innings. But Bedell certainly ba- uh, passed the bill for that again at high A. So maybe there's not as much of a risk of him being taken, but with the Perdomo thing in the back of your mind and the pedigree to be drafted in the fourth round in 2020, it is something that I do kind of wonder about. And then Robertson, I think, top 10 organizational prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, would not... It just wouldn't make any sense to me not to protect him. So I, for me, all three of those guys would be on that list. And then another guy that I want to bring up who's not on the top 30 according to MLB Pipeline. Maybe some of the other systems that do these prospect rankings would have him in there, um, but MLB Pipeline currently does not. Inohan Paniagua is a another right-handed pitcher who's 23 years old, closing in on 24 years old, and again, a guy who was in high A 
has not been able to accelerate through the system just yet for the Cardinals and kind of hit a road bump in high A this past year with this performance. Looking at the baseball reference page, I do believe he dealt with some injuries, only 11 starts in high A and then spent a little bit of time in rookie ball as well, I think rehabbing. 44 and a third innings pitched, 41 strikeouts in high A. So for a guy who's doing that at age 23, he's no longer younger than the competition, so there's not that advantage of projectability. You'd kind of be like, eh, not 100% sure what his future is going to be. At one point, like I said, he had been in that, that top 40 list, has good stuff, but I don't know that it's going to be a situation where the Cardinals can can protect him falling out of the top 30 prospects on MLB Pipeline. But he is out there in Scottsdale at the Arizona Fall League pitching, which I think makes sense, right? For a guy who you want to get a further look at, the Cardinals are probably out there. But what that means is all MLB teams have scouts out there as well. And so if you do leave Paniagua exposed to Rule 5, there might be a scout out there who says, hey, take a flyer on this guy. He's got a pitch mix. We think we can use him as a two-pitch reliever and, and we can – we can sneak him through for 2023 on a non-contending bullpen, and then maybe we just have him for nothing as a guy who who used to certainly be considered with some upside. So I'm not sure if that's something anybody would do. The Arizona Fall League angle, to me, does make it a little bit more likely because teams are getting a look at him. However, numbers out there not sterling either. 4.86 ERA, 16 innings, 17 strikeouts. So he's been fine, but... The, the scouting angle of it is what would get me. I don't know that the Cardinals would have any room for him. Uh, did give up six home runs in those 16 innings out there at the Fall League. So kind of take your pick on that. But he is a name that I wanted to bring up because I think it's possible that the Cardinals are thinking about, you know, hey, wrestling with the fact that he could potentially be selected if they ultimately don't decide to protect him. So those are the names. And I would say in order for me, it's probably Robertsa, Bedell, Klopfenstein, the same the, the same way they have the order listed on the, the top prospects. Robertsa being number eight, Bedell 16, Klopfensteinstein is 17 per MLB pipeline. And then I would say Paniagua would be after that for me, but I could see the benefit to the Cardinals wanting to protect all of those guys. Now, that being said, let's say they do want to protect them all. You're at 44 on the 40-man roster. Can I get this Cardinals 40-man roster down to 37 in order to accommodate those guys and the free agents that we expect to come in, right? I don't know if I can necessarily do that, but just, just some names that I think would be on the radar for going through waivers, being outrighted off the 40-man, and so on. James Nail, probably the first name that comes to mind. He's still on the 40-man now, but um, you know a lot of those relievers that were just kind of filling innings for the Cardinals down the stretch, they've already been outrighted or released. Uh, I'm sure the Cardinals are happy to have James Nail around, maybe back in the minor leagues, but I don't think they're going to devote a 40-man spot to him. It's probably going to be the same way it went last year, right? The local kid, you feel like, okay, he's not going to go to another organization unless they're offering him a, a, a major league opportunity which, you know, James Nail at this point in his career, uh, I believe he's 30 years old by now. So probably he's going to be one of the names that that would be up for discussion here. And then the Cardinals could say, if he wants to stick around in the organization, they'd like the, the work that he's done. Maybe they decide to, to approach it that way. But that would be one spot you'd be looking at. Packy Naughton, there's a decision that's got to be made for 
the St. Louis Cardinals and Packy Naughton. I believe he's coming off like the Seth Manus version of Tommy John, so not like the full thing, but the repair surgery and what do the Cardinals think about his recovery? Obviously, he was a dog. I mean, when he was pitching, this was a guy that that I, you like his tenacity on the mound. So I'm not saying the Cardinals are gonna uh, gonna look to take him off the 40 man or not. But it, again, we're just kind of wor- working through and seeing what these names would be. That if the Cardinals are intent upon protecting a bunch of guys, it, is there space to do so? Uh, elsewhere, we're looking at the 40 man roster right now. Wilkin Rodriguez, we talked about that. Would the Cardinals say, all right, you know, it just sort of is what it is at this point with Wilkin Rodriguez. And even though it's a bummer that he got hurt, we're not sure that we're going to devote the 40-man spot to him again this year. He is 33 years old. Wilkin is not a young player uh, by by prospect or any standards, really. And, like, has been around the block for kind of a long time. Has a little bit of major league experience in his career. I think he came up with the Royals back in 2014, like for a couple of innings, but that's really been about it. Uh, pitched in Mexico for a long while, and that was how the Cardinals, uh, where they signed him, they saw him, scouted him in Mexico, and really wanted to bring him to, to MLB, but got injured, didn't get an opportunity. He did have five and two-thirds innings in Memphis late last season, uh, I believe in September after recovering from his injury. Six strikeouts in those five innings. Didn't allow any earned runs, but allowed... Uh, a few runs that were unearned. So when the Cardinals say, hey, you know, we've spent this much, we've invested this much time in him, we're going to keep him on the 40-man, or would they say, well, he's 33 years old, maybe we can find a way to, we get, we, we outright him or we take him uh, on waivers, whatever the process would be for a player of his, uh, his stature and experience, and maybe we hope to keep him in the organization, minor league invite to spring training, whatever the case would be, but that would be another conversation that has to be had um Palante on the roster I don't think there's any risk of the Cardinals uh you know cutting him Drew Rahm I would say no Connor Thomas uh you know was a guy that I think coming into last year you kind of thought maybe the Cardinals would give him a look and it ultimately didn't really work out that way didn't pitch well in Memphis uh was used I believe as a starter for the most part yeah 17 starts in 21 total games but just didn't pitch well and didn't really, I mean, the strikeout stuff, he, he does not have that K per inning uh, kind of repertoire. Is left-handed, though, so that's an aspect always that you, you consider when you're making these decisions. But what are the Cardinals going to do on the Con- Connor Thomas front, and would they worry that if they try to pass him through waivers that he would go uh, would go claimed and would go to another team? I, that's a, a name that certainly I think could be in play here along with the other ones that we've mentioned so far. Moving on further down the list of the current 40-man roster, Jake Woodford, like where are the Cardinals on the Jake Woodford situation and could he potentially be a non-tender candidate, which I'll do more conversation in depth about non-tender stuff tomorrow because that is a deadline that doesn't come until Friday. But he is projected by MLB Trade Rumors to be owed $1.1 million through ARB this year, so a definite non-tender candidate that would, uh, you know, again, a guy that, could give you organizational pitching depth, but have the Cardinals decided that depth isn't necessarily worth $1.1 million and a 40-man spot because that's the crunch that's going on here. And then Guillermo Zuniga as well, another guy that they had high hopes for, I think, coming into last year, battled some injuries, and didn't really get much of a shot. So those are all the pitchers on the 40-man that I'm not saying the, the five or six names that I said are all poof, but the Cardinals might be looking from that group 
and I'll repeat, you know, James Nail, Packy Naughton, Wilking Rodriguez, probably not Drew Rahm, just because you just got him. Um, and, and obviously, you know, he had some opportunities at the big league level, so probably not him. I won't even say probably. I, I would be very surprised if they were to to, to wave Drew Rahm. Connor Thomas, Jake Woodford, Guillermo Zuniga, that's certainly a group. And then I, I did not mention Dakota Hudson, but I think will be a conversation because he's going to be looking at 4 or $5 million, and that's, you know, if he's not in the rotation, that may be something that we're talking about closer to Friday. And then from a position player standpoint, we'll talk about the catchers. Ivan Herrera had a really good year, I think a bounce-back year in 2023. Do the Cardinals say, hey, Andrew Kisner costs more money now in ARB as a backup catcher than we want to pay. Maybe we roll with Herrera. That's it. I don't know if that's a conversation or a consideration, but it's got to be something that internally they're at least saying, hey, how do we feel about this? Myself, personally, I would not be looking to non-tender Andrew Kisner. Um, I'll check out here what the MLB trade rumor projection would be for his salary, $2 million. And he is on this list that MLB trade rumors puts out of potential non-tender candidates. Again, I'm going to get into it a little bit more on uh, tomorrow's Be Safe Daily, but just something to keep in mind. We're just kind of going through some of the names that that would have to be at least discussed in terms of clearing 40-man spot. A lot of those guys are toward the bottom of the roster. Cardinals decide, look, they're not probably going to contribute to the big league team. We need the spot. That's when you, you cut them, you put them through waivers, whatever the case would be. For these other guys who are ARB eligible, you non-tender those players. You don't offer a contract, which means they would become free agents at that point um, because the projection for their salary is maybe a million, two million, three million. In the case of Dakota Hudson, four or five million. And so you make those decisions for those reasons. Um, the the pay that the salary that you expect them to command through this arbitration process does not equate to the production you think you're going to get from them. And then infielders, Luke and Baker, again, uh, Exciting AAA player. Do the Cardinals say, yeah, we just don't maybe see it. And if if we put him through waivers and someone claims him, maybe they'll give him an opportunity. But if not, you know, he's going to be back in our AAA. Maybe that's the way that they would look at it. Again, Luke and Baker was a guy that in previous years was Rule 5 eligible, was not drafted Rule 5. And the Cardinals were able to retain him for that reason. He got a cup of coffee and a chance this year. You know, I don't know if there's a bright future there necessarily. He's, again, older than prospect age. So when a lot of Cardinals fans say, Cardinals got to get the young guys up here, get Luke and Baker up here, not to say he's not a young guy, but he's, you know, 26 and in, in, turns 27 in March. So elsewhere, Jose Fermin, defense, a glove first guy that we got to look at in the big league level, but what's the upside there offensively? And is it worth having a defense only guy? on your bench for middle infield. I would argue that it's maybe not, but he is a younger guy still. Um, for me, born in 1999, so he doesn't turn 25 until March. So uh, I'm not saying they're going to be looking to cut him, but just throwing names out from sort of the the tier of player that you could say, maybe these are discussions internally. Buddy Kennedy, we've already talked about. Jared Young, we've already talked about. They brought those guys in. Would they turn around and cut them? Moises Gomez, there's going to have to be a conversation about that. He never did get an opportunity as an outfielder, but has a lot of raw power. What do the Cardinals think about that? Michael Ciani toward the bottom of that top prospect list, I think, on MLB Pipeline is another guy. You saw him a little bit late in the year as an outfielder. 
I don't think Richie Palacios is in this conversation. I think he earned himself an opportunity to make the club um, coming into 2024 as a, a bench outfielder. And Juan Yepes, I think, is certainly, uh, if if not that they're going to just release him, but somebody that could be on the trade block in terms of, all right, we've had a few years of him being kind of between AAA major leagues, and it just seems like the opportunity's not going to be here, so maybe we find a home for him somewhere else. That's about a dozen names or more that I think I mentioned. Not all of them will be gone, but a number of them could be as the Cardinals look to make room at these deadlines. I'm going to follow through on my promise by cutting this short of an hour. We didn't get to the non-tender conversations, but stay tuned to the B-Shafe Daily Podcast and to the Brendan Schaefer St. Louis Cardinals Writer YouTube channel for that because it is all to come. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, guys. I appreciate you so much for listening as always. Drop your comments below. Leave a like on this video. I don't I, in the live streams. I would always say like the video and, and see if we could get ourselves to like a hundred likes on the videos. Uh, these videos usually get a decent number of likes, but if you're a person who listens every day, but you don't click like as the first thing you do, help me out. Let's get more Cardinals fans listening to Be Shaved Daily and these YouTube videos. Thank you guys so much for doing everything that you do for me. We'll talk to you next time on Be Shaved Daily. Peace.